Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to ask a pharmacist about getting naloxone for their first aid kits at home or work. No prescription is needed. Naloxone can rapidly reverse an opioid overdose and restore breathing. Opioidresponse.info. Thanks for joining us for Political Rewind. Glad to have you with us as we begin another, begin another week of uh, doing the show on remote from various locations around the state. A couple of notes before we introduce our panel and the subject for today. <clears throat> um, first of all, you heard in the headlines that Governor Kemp over the weekend had a phone call with uh, governors in neighboring states, all Republican governors in neighboring states. And um, although they did not discuss a coordinated regional plan, there's talk that, that they may in fact do that next. Whatever that happens there, at 4 o'clock this afternoon, Governor Kemp is going to hold a news conference. We'll carry it on GPB Radio and our online platforms. And, um, you know, we'll wait to see if he introduces perhaps the first outlines of how he sees our being able to open the state to whatever extent that's possible. Another quick note, thank you for continuing to send me emails telling me how you're doing I really enjoy reading them, and one of the things that's meaningful to me is how many of you have such a positive spin, a positive attitude about uh, what you're going through right now. I tried to respond to a number of them over the weekend. I'll continue to do that, but you're welcome to keep uh, contacting me at bnigut, B-N- <coughs> excuse me, b-n-i-g-u-t at uh, gpb.org. Um And one other quick thing, on Friday, right after the show, I recorded a video kind of taking listeners behind the scenes to our remote uh, little uh, broadcasting headquarters here uh, outside of Decatur, and uh, a lot of people have looked at it. And if you're interested in seeing what our setup here, at least in my house, looks like, just go to my Facebook page, Bill Nygut, and uh, you can see it there. All right, let's get to the figures that we have as of late last night, and then we will move on with our panel. Uh, Georgia now has 18,489 confirmed cases of COVID-19. These figures, of course, come from the Department of Public Health. Um, That's 2,141 cases more than this time on Friday, and almost 6,000 more than just a week ago. Um, We've had 689 deaths 72 of them came over the weekend since last Friday and 247 people since a week ago Monday. We continue to have cases in virtually every county across the state. There have been 3,489 people hospitalized, which is about 19% of the cases. And um, one thing that we should point out, you know, most uh, the gold standard for looking at modeling for how the coronavirus was going to advance has been the University of Washington's Institute of Health Metrics Evaluation. Um, they initially, uh, you may have read over the weekend, they've backed off uh, their projections for what was going to happen in Georgia. They initially said we were going to reach our peak in early May, May 3rd. They now say that we passed it, that on April 15th, we actually reached the uh, most number of deaths and the need for various uh, ventilators, beds, that sort of thing. Um, it's a model. And we say that every time we talk about it. It is a model. There are other models that suggest we haven't quite reached the peak yet. So, but, but it's any kind of somewhat good news in the middle of all this is obviously something we're all interested in knowing about. 
All right, that said, uh, let's get to today's show. We're going to take a deep look at agriculture in Georgia in the year of coronavirus. Jim Galloway, of course, is with me. He's here on Mondays and Fridays. He's the lead political writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You read him on Wednesdays and Sundays in the paper, and he oversees the Political Insider blog. Jim, one quick update. Um, In the headline, I pointed out that there was a small demonstration uh, yesterday Uh, up in North Georgia, and that we hadn't seen any bigger ones. But you report in the jolt today that we're about to have a much bigger one this coming Friday. Right, right. You've got uh, you've got a group calling itself Reopen Georgia. You can find them on Facebook, and uh, they're calling for a a, a a something called Operation Gridlock, like uh, as what happened in Michigan uh, last week, where everybody gets in their cars, a safe place, of course, relatively safe place, and uh, and uh, circles the state capital. Now it's uh, okay. It's you good. know it's it, it's uh, uh, it. I don't know how much traffic it will shut down because there's not a whole lot of traffic at the state capitol right now. <laughs> All right. I uh, just thought we should update you on that. All right. Um, I'm really thrilled that uh, Gary Black, the commissioner of agriculture for the state of Georgia, is with us. Gary Black is in his third term as commissioner of agriculture. Uh, he grew up on a uh, family farm in commerce a deep background in agriculture uh, at the FF Future Farmers of America, uh, moving on. He was at the University of Georgia's College of Agriculture and Environmental Sciences. Uh, he's worked at the Georgia Farm Bureau. So Gary Black is uh, someone who understands agriculture in this state about as well as anyone possibly can. Commissioner, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Bill. It's a pleasure. I'm glad to be on Mr. Galloway, too. I Ordinarily, I, I figure he would would be running the Boston Marathon today, but it's good to be with him today. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, record time. Yeah. I I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that. We're also really happy uh, to be joined by Charlotte Swanson, who is a farmer in more than a farmer. You've got a huge operation in Ranger, Charlotte. You um, your grandfather was a farmer as you grew up, so you got to know the agriculture business through him. Uh, your farm, Riverview Farms, you produce uh, pork, I think grass-fed beef. You're in, into certified organic row crops and corn that you turn into grits and cornmeal and polenta. Uh, you also uh, operate a slaughterhouse and a, a butcher shop, which I think I'm right to say is in Atlanta. Do I got that right? Yes, we opened up Chop Shop last year in Atlanta. Memorial Drive. So, Charlotte, one other, one other quick thing uh, that I wanted to ask you about in terms of all that, um, it it's um, Riverview Farms is up in Ranger. You're really quite close to the path. That's pretty much parallel to Calhoun. Were you affected by the tornadoes because that area was hit pretty hard? Oh no, we were fortunate. It was just a lot of heavy rain, so we were grateful. We did not get hit this time. Okay, good, good. Good. Glad to hear that. Well, thank you for being here. Let's, Commissioner Black, let's start with you. Uh, we have been reading uh, a lot about the way in which the coronavirus has affected um, the, the farm communities across the state of Georgia. We read that farmers are destroying much of their crop because their markets are drying up. 
even at a time when people are still trying to recover from Hurricane Michael. So if you would, could you start us off by giving us an overview of just how uh, the coronavirus has affected our, our farmers? Bill, it's one of the more challenging times. Even you know, we we fought our way through Michael. We're not quite through that even uh, as we speak. But uh, this is one of the more challenging uh, dilemmas that we've faced. I think it's important, like for dairy, for fruit and vegetable, those products. Uh, of course, we have great producers, farm families, been in it for generations, but half of their market is gone. When food service, when school nutrition is impacted, uh, as it has been over the last six, seven weeks, uh, half of where you would ever sell anything is actually has dried up. And so we've, we've been uh, we're fortunate that in Georgia, from a fruit and vegetable standpoint, we're we're not destroying crops yet. We're not uh, seeing a lot left in the field yet. Uh, we haven't seen quite the horror stories that you've seen in Florida yet, but we also have to realize we're three or four weeks behind Florida. We've been trying to take some proactive measures with retailers, with uh, with some promotion that we've got coming out here pretty quickly uh, for Georgia uh, and Georgia-grown consumers to help those Georgia-grown families. And so, uh, uh, the, yeah, but uh, hopefully, some of that proactive uh, activity will will you know will benefit us. But there's no doubt we've got crops in Georgia that will be affected just simply because we've lost a market. Uh, I want to drill down on some of what you just said. Uh, by the way, uh, Tom Faust just nudged me digitally. Charlotte, he said, I, I introduced you incorrectly. I apologize. Did I not say Charlotte Swansea? I apologize for that. You're fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm still trying to uh, get up for Monday morning. I apologize. Jim Galloway, why don't you jump in on this uh, uh, with Commissioner Black? Yeah, yeah. Commissioner, you, you kind of alluded to it, but but uh, Georgia is very uh, uh, um, dependent on foreign foreign uh, foreign labor to to uh, to to bring in these vegetable crops in particular i mean georgia use has uh, more h2 uh, h2a visas uses more h2a employees than any in any other state in the country what's what's the situation there and 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 are are farmers getting the labor that they need or is that part of the kind of the uh, if uh, are are they cutting back on the labor because they they don't have the market I- Jim, your last statement could wind up being true in the coming weeks. We'll just have to wait and see. But uh, to start with, I tell you, about seven weeks ago, I believe it was, but the calendar's correct, we had a period of being really quite horrified because we were shutting down the borders. We were not sure how it was going to impact H-2A workers. We had contracts ready to be filled. We're right on the edge of Vida onion season, really the start of, of labor season. Thankfully, this administration worked very quickly the first couple of weeks, Secretary Perdue, Secretary Pompeo, I know all the way up to President and Vice President. I, I tell you, it's exciting to see so a focus on agriculture. I think most of our labor is, is pretty adequate. Uh, there, there have been some gaps. There still are today. But I, I think some of our, uh, you know, our horror of six or seven weeks ago is, has passed a bit. Most of the major producers are, are in the field today. Buddy onion harvest started last week and packing, and I think we've got a good crop there. And I, I've just not had had quite a, not a, not not a uh, very much discussion on labor in the last uh, I'd say week or ten days. 
But certainly we've been trying to respond there too to make sure that those workers are protected and got some great educational programs going with extension service and with our team with Department of Public Health too uh, with the commodity associations because once the workers get here, they're part of family, they're part of the business and they're, uh, they've, they've got to be protected too. And I think we've been doing a good job uh, in, in that regard. Yeah, Commissioner, I uh, spent some time knowing you were going to be on today looking at the Department of Agriculture's uh, website, and there is a just a wealth of information there. One of the things that I thought was really interesting is you have a page devoted to best practices to prevent the spread of COVID-19 among migrant workers. Uh, just if you don't mind, can you, uh, off the top of your head, can you tell us what some of those are? I think our listeners would be interested in that. Sure, Bill. It's it's not much different. It's actually precisely what has been recommended by CDC to us, but we've tried to communicate it in a way. So we've got uh, language, uh, Spanish, have our uh, productions in Spanish, so that's helpful. Uh, there, there'll be the social distancing when possible. There's utilization of masks. There's hand washing uh, recommendations. There's just the general things that you get. Now, I tell you what, we were very concerned, Bill, about would the workers know about it and so how basic would you have to be oh let, let me tell you they very much knew about it uh, they may know about it better better than we did and so it was interesting to see that we found that's been very responsive uh it's been successful but that information has been deployed our commodity groups have have stepped up and and the businesses they're performing uh you know they've they're, they do work in close quarters but they're they're keeping you know congregating during breaks uh, there, uh, hopefully, uh, a, a fair number of people have kind of operated with a commissary in the in the uh, the housing uh, uh, or area. Uh, so uh, operating rather than so many people going to to town over the weekend, that actually having some of that delivery brought brought to the farm for the for those farm families that are there. So that that's uh, they're very interested in protecting themselves. They'd like to have a job. They're critical to the uh, the organization uh, and the, the harvest of these crops. And I think we're seeing a, a very strong concert of, of, of cooperation going on between those folks that are here uh, during this period of time and those farm families that are hosting them. Charlotte, let's, let's bring you into the conversation if we can. Could you start off by telling us, I sort of listed uh, what I think I'm correct are the, uh, <laughs> are the, are the products that you deal with. Have I got it right? And what are your markets typically for everything from your beef and, and pork operation to your organic uh, vegetables, that sort of thing? Talk to us about where you're selling. So we've been direct marketing everything that we sell for about 20 years and cultivating relationships with restaurants in Atlanta for 20 years. So, and that was probably about 70 to 80% of our business. Um, so when the restaurants closed down, we lost that revenue stream immediately. Um, but fortunately, we handle our own supply chain. We were able to quickly pivot. We had been selling um, via you know, home delivery with our CSA, our community-supported agriculture, our vegetable boxes, our meat boxes. So we are fortunately able to pivot and start doing more home deliveries. However, um, just for some simple math, to equal 20 restaurants, we have to sell to 150, 200 people. 
So our workload is tremendously more, over five times more. And, but we can't afford to hire anyone because our revenue isn't where it was. We lost that revenue stream. And so it's more work on us. And it's also more work on the slaughterhouse that we utilize in Chatsworth. It's more work on that family as well. Because now they have to cut and wrap all the meats instead of sending them out in big, big pieces. Um, so it's we're fortunate and we're grateful that we were able to continue feeding people, and we're fortunate that we we can do the home deliveries and pivot as quickly because we do uh, manage our own supply chain. But uh, I don't know how long we can physically sustain ourselves with the workload. Jim? Yeah, uh, Charlotte here. Um, just, I, I've got a cousin who's a, a, a meat cutter. Yeah. Uh, I, was talk- I was talking to him the other day, and, and he said, you know, he was, he was being offered $2 an hour uh, uh, more, uh, in, in hazard pay uh, for, for, for the next six weeks, which to his reckoning uh, makes it about $600 extra. So he had to figure out whether that was going to, whether whether the, contracting the the virus was 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 worth that six hundred bucks, uh, he and he's still cutting meat. What what kind of incentives have you offered, or do you expect to have to offer uh, to keep a, to keep or even build a workforce that you need? Yeah, and that's something we we are thinking about because you know we have to protect ourselves. We don't want to get sick. We don't want to pass it on to any of our customers. So we have to, you know, if you hire someone well what are you what are you inviting how do you make that enticing for someone who wants to put themselves on the front lines like that it's that's difficult and that's that's another thing that we think about and i don't at this point i don't feel comfortable adding someone to the team just yet even the slaughterhouse they don't want to add someone to their system and possibly get sick or get you know create an issue there because if any of us get sick, we're we're out of business. Does that make sense? <laughs> so, um, yeah, it sure does. Um, what it says to me, Charlotte, is like a lot of the people we've talked to over the past uh, week since the coronavirus became a big focus of our show. People, entrepreneurial workers like you, I mean, running a farm is having an entrepreneurial business. Clearly, you've really got to be nimble. You have got to very quickly adjust the situation at hand, and the sooner you're able to do that and the more creative you can be, the more possibilities there are for you to sustain yourself for at least a period of time. But as you pointed out, that can't go on forever, right? Correct. Correct, yeah. So, Commissioner, you... Go ahead, Charlotte. No, 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 go ahead. Okay, Commissioner, you said that you, at the very beginning of the show, you said that you are looking at steps to try to head off. You, you pointed out that Georgia has not been hit as hard so far as, say, Florida, and that you've been taking steps to try to uh, protect the farm industry in Georgia. What does that mean? In what ways can you do that? I hope, I hope Bill, this, that this will be the week where we're able to – we'll really be launching some social media campaigns this week and hopefully going on, going into network. It's, uh, it's, it's time to buy Georgia Grown. It's time to uh, support your own buy Georgia Grown folks, great folks like Charlotte and her family, and, and then all, uh, all up and down the state. 
uh, that'll there'll be a hashtag there that says now more than ever, because that's that's what the need the need is that great. Uh, we had some wonderful meetings last week with all our major retailers and independent retailers. We believe we have a commitment up and down the line to to, to purchase more Georgia products to. Uh, work with the uh, entire logistics chain to make sure that uh, you know. I, I, I just at this juncture, I'd love to see every uh, every store, every uh, vegetable and fruit and vegetable aisle, and every store filled with Georgia grown products that are so, so that our Georgia grown customers can uh, can take advantage of that. Uh, it, it, we talk about nimble. You have you have to be nimble in the grocery business too. Uh, they're very sensitive. They've got to provide a value to their product, and there's a, it's a big world out there, and there's a lot of product. Uh, but we we want Georgia Grown products to be uh, be featured this year, and I think we've got a very good response from our retailers. I, I I'm confident more than ever, Bill, that uh, people want to stand up for Georgia. Uh, they they love being able to to buy product, sometimes from uh, uh, family farms like Charlotte. But then sometimes in the you know in a, in a little bit of an, a, a larger supplier that would be in the major chains. Wherever you go though, when you're investing those dollars that come uh, go right directly back to a rural community in Georgia, uh, that, that's so important, and that's what we're in, in desperate need of right now. Hey, um, Commissioner, you've you've got farmers who have uh, who uh, for the last eighteen months. They've, you know, they've been they've suffered through the the, the repercussions of, of this trade war with China. Uh, you you mentioned uh, Hurricane Michael, uh, kind of w- uh, wiped out a good part of Southwest Georgia f- uh, farm farm inventory, and now you've got this. I'm I'm not sure that we've seen this much much pressure on Georgia agriculture since the Great Depression back in the 1920s. What, what's what's the financial situation for farms? And 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 have we have we seen a spike in bankruptcies? Well, there there's let me just say this. I don't know the exactly spike yet, uh, Jim, but the, the the pressure on credit right now is is enormous. Uh, just the ability to be able to pay bills, and then those certainly who's who's holding those bills. Well, it's the note at the bank, it's the fertilizer dealer, uh, it's the seed dealer, and then you know then you're looking at commodity prices up and down the board. They're just uh, you know sour at best too. Uh, there's an emotional strain. Uh, there's a huge financial challenge before us. But uh, I, I will tell you, and all your listeners, folks, we've we've got a um, the reason we need to step up for these Georgia-grown families right now is there's enormous emotional pressure, enormous uh, psychological pressure that we hopefully, gonna, you know, we'll pray our way through it and work our way through it too, and and, and hopefully, uh, you know, for the best. But uh, I, I'm just uh, I'm hopeful that we can get some recovery of this market later in the spring and perhaps this, you know, some of the gloom that we're uh, painting right now that we can see a little bit of silver inside the cloud. But uh, you're right. It's it's one of the more challenging times our farm families have ever faced. You know, Charlotte, listening to Commissioner Black talk about uh, people's emotional state in, in the agriculture community as as you all work through problems like this, it struck me that 
I'm reading about people who right now are relieving some of the stress, some of the pressures by going out and working in their gardens or starting gardens uh, in their in their uh, whatever space they're living in right now. Uh, well, that's how you make your living. And, and I wonder what it's like. It, I mean, this is really drilling into a different area, which is about how you handle this emotionally, which is something we've talked about with a lot of our guests in the last few weeks. Um, does being on a farm, does being able to look at your crops, work with your crops, uh, does it in some way uh, relieve some of the pressures you feel? Or are you so consumed with the fact that you've got to keep a business going, that there isn't any relief there. Well, right now we're still consumed with, okay, we've got bills to pay and and pressures to meet with banks and things like that, like Commissioner Black was talking about. Um, and, you know, the, the real upside to all of that for me is being able to feed people. And when I see people continuing to commit buying their food locally that brings me joy <laughs> um, even though I'm overwhelmed it is it's great and I feel fortunate that I am able to continue to feed people that and I see more people coming together wanting to support their local uh, community farmers because it is big or small it is important that that the farmers continue to get to feed people um, because uh, right now, you know, we're running a business. It's a uh, there's not really much <laughs> therapy there, um, but the uh, <laughs> it's it's hard work. But seeing uh, continuing being able to continue doing what we're doing for as long as we can is is the most important thing right now. And um, hopefully, the banks can be a little more forgiving and will be something that can can help all the farmers in Georgia because we are struggling. We all struggle with it, and uh, the past few years have been very rough. All right, let's do this. We've got to get to a break. Um, I want to. I have a lot more questions that I know Jim and I want to uh, ask uh, both of you. Uh, and uh, there have been. I've gotten some uh, questions from listeners who want to weigh in as well. So we'll do all that and more uh, after our first break today on Political Rewind. Thanks for listening to Political Rewind. If you like this show, you'll also like Georgia Today. It's a daily podcast from GPB News, bringing you compelling stories and in-depth reporting that you won't hear anywhere else. Join me, Peter Biello, for this quick and convenient way to get the best of GPB News' extensive coverage of the topics that matter to you, delivered directly to your device every weekday afternoon. We're talking about the impact that the coronavirus is having on agriculture across the state of Georgia. We're joined by Charlotte Swansea who operates Riverview Farms with her husband, an operation that does everything from uh, pork and beef to organic uh, uh, vegetables and, uh, and fruits. Um, and, and also, Charlotte, you have a slaughterhouse operation and, uh, and you, do, uh, you have a butcher uh, shop in uh, Atlanta. And Gary Black, the uh, third term commissioner of agriculture for the state of Georgia, Jim, uh, it, I always think when we talk to Gary Black, who's now held this job for a long time and uh, who gets great reviews from 
most of the uh, agriculture community across the state. Uh, I always think, I can't help but think, Jim, about Tommy Irvin, who held that job for about 180 years before Gary came along. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, know you, you have to think about that in, uh, in, in Georgia politics. <laughs> Ag commissioner has got to be the most secure position in 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 state government because i mean we've only had two in the last what 40 years or so something like that yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, commissioner but, but, would you but, agree with that assessment <laughs> i don't know about secure and uh, there've been 16 since 1874 so i guess you you, uh, you figure 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 do the math yeah uh, but uh, <laughs> i'll not i don't I'm not going to be here 42 years, Jim. <laughs> uh, Bill, if I could get, get just get, I, I, if I could get serious here, um, and 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 Charlotte, if you want to jump in here too, uh, because you were talking about it at a, at a micro level, but 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 Gary, uh, last week, uh, Sonny Perdue was at the White House, and he said. Uh, the, 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 and he was talking about the nation's food supply. And he said th th this country doesn't have a supply problem, uh, that there's plenty of food, uh, which, mean, which means, you know, it's, 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 this is a, we are at a, a logistical kind of uh, nexus here. It's, it's how we get the food to where it needs to go. And that's what Charlotte's been trying to figure out. On a broad scale, what, what's happening in Georgia? I mean, you, you've touched on it a little bit. But I mean, is I mean, are we? How are how are we we kind of working around the? Uh, if you go to Mike Kroger, for instance, those meat shelves are pretty bare right now. They're pretty well picked over. Yeah. Jim, here, here's a and the secretary said, and I I felt some satisfaction. We've been saying something pretty similar, so I, I, it's not a it's not a supply problem. It's a demand problem. And so when 50%, again, of our food demand is generally not at home, and it may be greater than that for, for many people, and all of a sudden now 100% or, or, or uh, except for occasional drive-through, 100% of the demand is for home uh, products. It's just a shift in the way that product is provided, how, how it's processed, how it's packaged. Uh, heard one of the most interesting descriptions last week on, in this whole endeavor. Who would have ever thought that we'd have such a crush on on, on toilet paper? Now why? When has toilet paper ever been a part of the discussion in America, really? But here's the issue. Remember, uh, half of our time or more is spent in a public place, in a in a built in a uh, office building, or or on something you know where where we're out and traveling. Now we're at home. Toilet paper, we have plenty of toilet paper. It's just not packaged correctly. It, it would be in, you know, in large commercial boxes as opposed to a retail package. So the industry's been retooling itself so that it can meet this current spike in, in retail demand. Same thing for meat, uh, same thing for, uh, you know, all of our products, certainly for milk. We see the tragedies that have been going on in some places where we've been having to dump milk. Well, fifty percent of that product is usually going to food service or school lunch, and it's just not being packaged. And it's just a, uh, that one's a little harder to pivot on right now. But uh, we hope that maybe we get them this tunnel and, and restore some order. Let's hope and pray. Charlotte, um, yeah, you know Galloway talks about finding the uh, meat aisles at his Kroger. 
fair, pretty bare right now. But that's not your market, right? You're, those are the mega farms that are supplying to the big supermarket operations in Georgia and, for that matter, everywhere in the country. You and your husband rely on a very different stream, quite similar to what Gary's talking about in terms of, you know, institutional toilet paper as opposed to home use. You're, you're in a very different niche, right? Um, not so much. Just a little smaller, like I was saying um, before, we were selling to restaurants, and so they would buy bigger pieces. So they would buy whole or half pigs, or they were buying whole shoulders, and um, that's you know much less work on our slaughterhouse. It's much less work on our end too for deliveries and such. So when that immediately shuts down, now we have to cut and wrap individual pigs, for example. Um, to sell them to individuals because they don't want a whole pig because no one's butchering their own pigs at home. So, but fortunately we were smaller. We could do that easier, but it is overwhelming our system. So I can only imagine what would happen at a, a facility that is used to packing things and sending them out to an institution in bigger parts. They can't just suddenly start wrapping meat for the grocery store. They don't have the supplies. They don't have the, the the manpower or the way to get it done that way. So and it takes that bigger facility a lot uh, a lot more time and money to shift like that. And so of course you're gonna see meat shortages. And then they have to worry about people getting sick in their plants. Yeah. So that's Which of course think, we've seen at meatpacking plants across the country. You are seeing that. And we're fortunate ours is a small family operation. They know where, um, you know, no one's going anywhere. Everybody's staying right there and can control, you know, is anybody sick, things like that. When you get into these larger packing facilities, people need the money. They're going to come to work sick. They, they, you know, it's just in the close proximity to what they're doing. It's, of course, it's going to be a problem. Uh, Commissioner, uh it's, uh, our timing is really very good for this topic today, I think, and I'd love to have you comment on it. Because just Friday, uh, President Trump announced a $19 billion relief package for American farmers who have been hurt by coronavirus. Um, it, it's, um, my understanding is it includes a mass government purchase of dairy produce and meat products, $16 billion in direct payments to farmers and ranchers. Uh, to help them get through this period. Um, first of all, just in a general way, have you had a chance to examine what that program is going to look like and how much value it will have here in Georgia? Yeah, a, a bit, uh, Bill. That's a, that is an ever, it's an evolving thing. At 10 o'clock, when we complete here, I'll be on a, sec- on a, on a call with Secretary Purdue on the first uh, nationwide briefings. We understand there's going to be $3 billion set aside for direct purchases of commodities. We think that's a good thing. Uh, we, we, I've seen mentioned here produce, meat, and dairy boxes and how they would be. Uh, we're trying to figure out what that business model is. I'm hopeful we can maybe let some of our, uh, our, our, our current folks that have labor and have packing capability be able to pack, pack on farm as opposed to maybe transporting it somewhere, but that gets kind of get down in the weeds a little bit. There's money here for food banks. 
that relationship is going to be very important right now because we see the you know the high demand in the in food bank world today. Uh, my understanding too is that's a hundred million each for uh, uh, produce, dairy, and meat per month. So got to kind of see how how over the uh, certainly I think we're going to learn a lot about it today. And uh, hopefully we can have a little more to share with you and share with the, the rest of Georgia here in the coming days. I think our, hey, our department's going to be involved Jim, in that. We'll just see how how, how uh, what those details look like. Um, Commissioner, we've got a mutual friend, Harris Blackwood, uh, yeah. used to be head of uh, Office of, of uh, uh, Highway Safety for Georgia. Uh, he drives a school bus now up in, up in Hall County. Uh, and he's he's driving school lunches to people, uh, to, to 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 kids uh, that don't that don't have them, uh, and and a and, and a bunch of Georgia school systems are doing something very similar. Uh, you mentioned food banks. How much uh, how much of the of the school lunch program, the the school meal program, survives right now? And and do you expect it to be to to, to be speeded up and and with because there's a there's there's a mutual uh, 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 dependency right there. I think it really is, Jim. That's a great point. Lynette Dotson is a great partner. She's a head of school nutrition, Georgia Department of Education. Misty Friedman. On our team heads up uh, our school nutrition activities. They've been doing some very creative things again with with Georgia Grown sourcing. Uh, we believe that can move forward into the feeding programs this summer. Uh, a lot of that is driven, Jim, at the local level. I'd love to see there to be be some. I know I, I was on phone call with someone from Meriwether County uh, this past weekend who was just uh, you know not quite satisfied with uh, that. Uh, there was enough of, uh, of of school nutrition activities taking place, and that's a, that's kind of a locally driven uh, deal. But uh, Lynette providing great leadership all across the state. I hope we're going to pattern some of these successful programs uh, throughout the summer. We're also looking. There are many high schools. I, I well, let's say many. There are 35, 40 high schools across the state that still have food processing facilities. And we are working with Department of Education, with our food safety division at Department of Agriculture, and with the food bank networks to see is it possible to do some of the sourcing of fresh fruits and vegetables, and then uh, how do we preserve them? How do we freeze them? How do we can them for the future? And could that possibly be done in such a way where it could be used back in school nutrition or certainly for distribution in our food banks? That's the kind of creative thing that's going on with, with some of our team right now. And I think that's the way we're going to answer some of these market problems. Uh, Charlotte, the commissioner mentioned, uh, or Jim uh, did food banks. Um, you're right now struggling. You want to survive, plain and simple. Uh, I spent a good deal of time uh, the last few days off and on talking with Bill Bowling, who's kind of the father of the food banks in Georgia. He was the one who started the Atlanta Community Food Bank and is involved with food banks across the state, and he tells us things are pretty desperate right now for food banks. Um, do you have a relationship with any of the food banks? Um, or And if not, I'm, 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 I'm assuming that you have farmer friends who do deal with them. Do you have any information you can share with us about how farmers are trying to work with, with food banks right now? Um, the ones that I work with, the farmers that I work with, most of us are... <laughs> 
just trying to meet the needs of, of uh, in the past, we worked with Meals on Wheels and some other, um, I've also worked with the Atlanta Community Food Bank as well, uh, when we ever had leftover produce, things like that. And, um, but right now there's such a demand for what we do and some of the other growers that I know that there is nothing left over and, um, which is great in a way, but I know that the, the community food banks are really struggling. And, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to hear that there are working what governor black was talking uh, excuse me, commissioner black was talking about, um, with the school systems that did have the capabilities of canning and freezing and things like that. And I, I think those are important to, to work with, to kind of funnel some more, um, food towards the food banks. Um, and, and I think, uh, that's great news. We're going to take a look at uh, food banks on an upcoming show, and we'll talk more about where they're struggling, but let's do this. Let's get our final break of the show out of the way. And when we come back, um, more on agriculture in Georgia. And one of the things we ought to talk about, uh, Commissioner Black, is one of the other responsibilities you have, which is food safety inspections. And I'd love to ask you how that's being impacted, if at all, during the coronavirus crisis we're in right now. You're listening to Political Rewind. We'll be right back. Um, Charlotte Swansea of Riverview Farms, I do think I would be remiss if I didn't give you an opportunity to talk about very briefly your CSA. You're delivering boxes of food. People can order from you on your website, and uh, there are any number of uh, locations around, uh, certainly Metro Atlanta, but other parts of the, I think, other parts of the state as well. Uh, so that's available if they want to go to your website if they're looking for your uh, uh, your products. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And, and we are, you know, after 20 years of doing this, we're finally seeing a lot more of our local community wanting to come out to the farm and pick things up. And I find that very finally satisfying. So yes, and we are delivering uh, all over the North Georgia area. So um, we're still happy to feed people. Good, good. Um, it's uh, the, the website is grassfedcow.com, right? Correct. Okay. Uh, Jim Galloway, uh, you uh, uh, nudged me during the break about budget cuts, and we're hearing more and more from uh, budget experts that we're going to see, as most states will, an enormous, enormous impact on our budget. I mean, $500-plus billion or more. Uh, So, Jim, I want to give you a chance to talk about that with the commissioner. Uh, yeah, yeah, Commissioner, we've got uh, we've got uh, uh, a, a we we may be looking at a, a budget shortfall far greater than than we experience in the in the Great Recession. I mean, I mean, uh, two billion, three billion, maybe even four billion. Uh, before we went on break, uh, Bill had mentioned uh, uh, essential things that you, your your agency does, like like food inspection. Uh, what kind of impact are you? are you preparing for and how is it going to affect this, this food supply change? Well, let me, let me assure consumers right now, Jim, that, that, uh, first, that we, we can deal with things in just step by step. The first step is we have the 2020 amended budget. Uh, the, the House of Representatives, that's already been signed by the governor, both uh, 
that package includes actually adding back uh, five food safety inspectors and I think a couple of our meat inspectors. We think that's going to hold. Uh, there's certainly, I hope we're going to, if we get into the budget uh, uh, considerations of adjusting the 21 budget and then moving on into, you know, into next year, no doubt that food safety is going to always be a priority for this agency and I'm going to be sure that, that whatever resources are necessary from prioritization of all the things that we do. It's the most important part of our, 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 our mission in public health. It helps keep people open, keeps keep food safe for consumers, and keeps integrity in the marketplace for our producers. So that's always going to be a first, you know, a, a high priority for us. And, and I, I, I'm thankful the governor and the, and the legislature thus far have supported that mission. Um, but you had to fight hard uh, when the debate uh, over the supplemental budget was uh, ongoing. There were some efforts to uh, cut back on spending for your food safety inspectors. Uh, and, and you won. You've got additional bodies in those jobs. But now you're going to face a 2021 fiscal year budget that who knows what's going to happen to any positions in state government. That's right. That's right, Bill. I'll, I'll tell you right now, we're we we're learning a lot in this process of everybody teleworking. Uh, we're, we're finding actually some efficiencies we, we would have, uh, but for being forced into this situation, we may never have found. Now, that's not going to, you know, recover uh, tens of millions of dollars, but every, every part of that efficiency, uh, uh, everything you put into that efficiency equation, I think is going to be important right now. But it comes budget process is a long process. You all know that. Uh, that we have a, we have a big budget, and what we'll have to do is prioritize prioritize our programs. And what what I'll always say is food safety is going to be number one. So that's uh, that's uh, kind of where we'll we'll have to build a, a business case for it, and and then work work with our members of the general assembly, and the governor, to uh, to meet the needs of Georgia. And how do you safely conduct? What are the guidelines for having food inspectors safely uh, uh, do their inspections? Well, Bill, right now the the, the food safety inspectors and and, all, and put meat into that as well. Uh, the the primary inspectors that are on the line every day, those who are, who have to be there in order for a business to open, that would be uh, only true in meat inspection. Our meat inspection folks have. PPE, they're, they're working with all of the CDC regu, regu, uh, recommendations as far as being a critical infrastructure uh, uh, operation and, and food processing. And, uh, and our government regulations uh, team are, are, are part of that critical, critical infrastructure. Uh, we'll be working uh, every day, making contact with the, the uh, uh, the food, food community. We've made a over bill during this time. Our inspectors have made over 4,000 personal contacts with their licensed establishments just to check on them to see if they have any needs, see if they've had any any information we could put back into uh, into the state's reports with respect to adjustment of their market, uh, how their employers are doing, and so uh, uh, folks can rest assured that food in Georgia is safe. Uh, we're making a difference. We're just making a difference in a little different way. Just uh, if, if I could, Commissioner. Jim just Galloway. Over, over, uh, if I could, Commissioner. Overall, overall, 
Uh, I mean, uh, has uh, your your uh, the, the the agriculture department workforce? Uh, what toll has the coronavirus taken on it? How, how many people have have, have contracted it? Do, uh, do you know? Oh, have you I, kept account in our work in our workforce? Yeah. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Well, we, I don't believe we've had a, a case. What well, we, we we did have some suspects. We've we've had less than ten people who have been uh, under self quarantine at some time. Uh, we have had uh, a number of employees that have had, uh, I think, three or four employees that have had family members somewhere, you know, in the cousin to the uh, uh, the cousin range that are uh, uh, in laws that. Uh, have actually uh, had the disease and had, I think, a couple of fatalities. But uh, we're, uh, we've are we been very blessed. Uh, our, our folks have been working hard. They've been staying safe. And, and we're very grateful for those who even had to self-quarantine that they've come out on the other side without, uh, uh, without any positive uh, test of disease showing up. Charlotte, we're uh, pretty close to out of time for today's show. Uh, <laughs> But it's been great hearing about your operation, some of the challenges you face. Um, how are you looking at the immediate future? So, for example, we think that at 4 o'clock this afternoon, it's conceivable that uh, Governor Kemp will begin laying out his ideas for how we might be able to reopen the state for business. Uh, are you at a point where you are eager for that to happen are you one of those who thinks we'd better be careful moving forward? I mean, obviously, your business would be helped enormously, but is that the right thing to do right now, in your opinion? For all my for all my people that are in the restaurant industry, I know they want to get back to work. It's It's been heartbreaking watching them suffer through this. I would love to see them open, but I also don't want to do anything prematurely and have a second wave of this disease going around it is it's a double-edged sword and it's been wonderful hearing from uh, commissioner black that that we are you know on the right track with with what's going on in the state and, and how everything's being handled I, I only hope our governor um you know makes good decisions too so you know for me i i don't want to do anything too prematurely but at the same time, I do want my restaurants open again. Um, so it, yeah, I, I I'm conflicted. <laughs> um, we are yeah. we are we are completely out of time. Yeah, we are completely out of time uh, for today's show. Uh, Commissioner Gary Black, Commissioner of Agriculture, really appreciate your spending so much time with us today. Thank you, and I wish you well as you continue to work on behalf of agriculture in the state, Gary. Thank you, Bill. You know, God bless everybody, and uh, let's keep our farm families in our prayers and uh, step by step. No, no one, no one lose sight of the fact. Uh, Lord, the Lord's in control, and we've got uh, we're one day closer to a solution. Charlotte Swansea, uh, Riverview Farms. We appreciate your being with us today. Your website is grassfedcows.com. If people want to check out your operation. Uh, They can do that there. And Jim Galloway, obviously, I'll see you again on Friday. Thank you for being here again today, Jim. Um, That's it for us today. Uh, We've got a big week lined up for you. Uh, Tomorrow, we're going to talk about the Spanish flu epidemic of 1918 with Tamar Hallerman and others 
Tamar wrote a great piece for the AJC this weekend about how that impacted Georgia. Wednesday, we're doing a strict political panel again because we know you want to hear about politics and the 2020 campaign. And uh, we have a lot more shows lined up in the weeks ahead. I'm Bill Nygut. See you all tomorrow.